This is episode 7 of English VoiceOver in Asia. I am your host, Yui Haruhara, and today we'll be hearing from Sean Pleven, a Canadian that worked as a voice actor in Hong Kong once upon a time. That last name may sound familiar. Last episode we heard from Darren Pleven. Well, it turns out he has a brother. It started when one of my Discord moderators, Miko Chikamatsu, suggested I ask Darren if he was on an obscure anime called Cyborg Kurochan. That anime has an English dub with virtually no info available. I didn't hold my breath because every contact I've tried had no idea what I was even talking about. So I said if Darren doesn't know, then I give up. Well, Darren said he wasn't in the anime, but he knows who voiced Kuro, his brother, Sean. Darren added Sean has fond memories of that anime. We were in luck. All that searching led to this moment, and it was a great time to have him on for my podcast. A good portion of today's interview is already on YouTube, but only the Cyborg Kurochan info. Today's episode will cover his story, career, and what he's up to now, which isn't on YouTube. If you'd like to hear about the section with Cyborg Kurochan, you can watch it on my channel youtube.com slash at yuiharuhara. I apologize in advance as I didn't realize my mic was turned up so loud in this interview, so I did my best to turn it down while editing. Without further delay, here's my interview with Sean Pleven. Go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Sean Pleven. I'm Darren's brother that you interviewed, and for seven-ish years, I did voiceovers in Hong Kong. Uh, where are you originally from? I'm Canadian originally. I was born uh, on this coast uh, in BC, grew up until I was about 11 in Ontario. And then uh, we, the family moved to Hong Kong because dad's work. He was a commercial airline pilot. So we were there for 16 years, or I was there for 16 years. Darren left and then came back. And then my sister left and then... Uh, yeah, mom and dad and I left in 2003. Where do you live now? I live in BC. Okay, so you just went straight back. Uh, yeah, they, uh, mom and dad had a place out here, and I had not lived in North America for the majority of my life, so <laughs> I thought it was a good idea to move somewhere where I knew some people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I was in BC. I finished... I got my high school equivalency because at that time in Hong Kong, because it was a colony, the schools were um, for profit, right? So I was not a good student. I was a shit disturber. And so um, I was asked not to come back. <laughs> and so, yeah, I never graduated high school until I moved back to North America. How did you get into voice acting? So, um, you, Darren told you his story, right? Being in the yeah. restaurant and they offered him a job. And then, um, I don't know, I was working bars and doing stuff like that. And Darren was like, oh, you know, you should come in and try it out. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really, I don't like the idea of being in front of the camera and this and that. And he said, no, no, give it a try. So he convinced me to come in and yeah, the rest was history. Awesome. Sad. It all, all came from uh, Darren. Yeah, yeah. And That's cool. Darren got the job first. My sister did a bunch of drama stuff in school, and she took to it like 
nobody's business. <laughs> and then I was the third to try it. And I think I was the one that ended up doing it the longest. Yeah. Did it for however long. And then that was the end. So <laughs> did you have any other positions within the recording space, like writer or anything like that? So I did, I did do some transcription of English interviews so that they could subtitle them into Cantonese. Yeah, and I remember doing Shakira and Elton John. and You know, like I didn't meet any of these people. I just right. <laughs> wrote down everything they said. But uh, I have to say, like, there were all these musicians, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I get to transcribe this interview. <laughs> and then when I was done, I was like, man, these musicians are idiots. <laughs> because they, they wouldn't talk in complete sentences. Oh. So to transcribe it, you're like, well, you know, I was, well, actually before that, um, no, no. Okay. Start over. I would, and that's how they spoke and lots of ums and ahs and all that stuff through. And Elton John would get asked a question and he would wait a few seconds and then he would answer and he would answer <laughs> in complete sentences. So yeah, of all the, the musicians that I did the, um, transcription for i liked elton john anyway like i liked his music but as a human being i was like man this guy's smart <laughs> and then after i moved back to north america i did a little bit of scripting i remember just to like supplement the income i was making while i was back here and i remember hating it and i can't even remember what i did but i did a little scripting and scripting sucks good to know <laughs> uh what do you do in your free time well video games you can see the aperture and oh i didn't even notice that i love portal left for dead wow it's funny darren another friend of ours and his son we play once a week something oh that's awesome so we did borderlands 3 a little bit uh darren convinced us all to get back for blood mm. and that's the one i've been playing the most recently and i think the next one we're going to give a try with is dead by daylight Oh, cool. Heard good things. Yeah, Darren's a big horror movie, yeah. horror everything guy. I'm more sci-fi. You know, there's lots of crossover there. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be neat to get on to the next. He tried to get us into Aliens fire team, but I don't think that's really for the group. Darren loves Aliens. Yeah, he. Um, I don't know if you saw the little video I had. Uh, you could see his backdrop, and you just see you just see all that. Oh yeah. Yeah, and like you get a snippet behind him, but that bookcase is got to be twelve feet long. Full, like Darren loves his. Yeah, I, I, you love to see it. I, t I told him that is the best setup of anybody I have interviewed. <laughs> that's the, that's the coolest setup. Oh, the other thing I do in my spare time is modify axes. Oh, so I like. Uh, I don't have any here. I don't think. Oh, no, I got one. Hang on. Oh, this. wow. That's what I do for fun. <laughs> that looks awesome. What was it like doing voiceover in Hong Kong as an English speaker? What are the challenges? What are the... Well, the challenges that we often found was, oh, for further upstream with the company itself, it all depended on the budget. So if there was a low budget for a product, there were not many takes and sometimes they would just you know it's a screw up but it's a small screw up but with the pay scale of this project we're not going back 
And anything that we dubbed, we'd never seen before. As you're saying the words is the first time that you're seeing it. So, I mean, it was really rock and roll. Like you had to read one eye on the script, one eye on the screen so that you could match cadence and action and everything going on. And uh, yeah, you had an earpiece with the original audio or a audio track might not have been the original audio. And yeah, you just flew by the seat of your pants. So <laughs> that was difficult. Of course, it was always difficult if the clients were in the in the technician booth. Because <laughs> that added a bunch of extra stress. But yeah, I don't know. It was uh it was fun. Like after I don't know, I'm not I'm an extrovert, but I'm an extrovert with the people I already kinda know or I already kinda know my like the local pub in town here. When I go in there, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> but if I go into a pub in a new town, I don't know anyone. I don't know the situation. I'm not as extroverted. And once the nerves were gone, like you would go into the studio after that and it would just be, you'd see your friends, you'd sit down, you know, and we would be outside the booth talking about like, oh, do you know what we're dubbing today? And we'd find out, oh, it's a Jackie Chan movie or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, or Jackie Chan from the eighties. So you'd have a rough idea of what you were getting into. And that's awesome. That way you'd go. It'd be super fun. And I think I know the answer because a few other people from Hong Kong I've interviewed have told me, but um, what is the casting or audition process like in Hong Kong? The casting. To get hired with the company, they brought me in and I did, I don't know, they, they had a break. Somebody was, you know, wanted to go to lunch or something. So then the technician, the, for lack of a better word, director, and would sit in the tech room and they'd send you into the booth and they'd get you to do a scene that they'd probably already done in whatever project we were working on at the time. They would like earmark a timestamp and say, okay, when we go to get them to try out, we'll go back to this timestamp. And then you would like, you know, read a monologue. Probably do like, depending on what it was, do like a fight scene maybe for the whole hot hee-haw and all that <laughs> stuff. And yeah. And then they would either say, yes, this is generally, they'd be like, okay, you're, you're not quite getting it. And they would give you a couple tips. And if you drastically improved, I guess, then they would be like, okay, we got work for you. And <laughs> we're going to start putting you in and you would start with all like one liners, you know, I'd say guy one guy two, and, and you would get those parts as it came up and. Yeah, and then when it got like really rock and roll and you'd have like six or eight people in the booth and you'd have like main characters and then guy one, guy two and stuff like that interspersed, you would like lean over so other people could see you and point at yourself for the next person coming up to speak and then you would do the line and then the next person would lean in for the next guy and or girl or kid or whatever it was. Yeah, like people, we were, <laughs> there was so much of it done on the fly. It was not, you know, oh, we'll sit down and we'll run through it see what we're dealing with occasionally we would get to a scene and and we'd get part way into it and there'd be a mistake and so maybe they would let the scene play out just so everyone had a rough idea but that was few and far between so when you were recording did you need to make any adjustments to the script on the fly yeah, yeah all the time <laughs> and that's why lots of dubbed versions don't make sense because the person who scripted it often was not one of the people that dubbed it Okay. So occasionally the person occasionally the person that had, had scripted it would be dubbing it and but I mean that was 
I can only really think of two people that did that when I was working for the company. And so they would make the corrections and we would go off of them. But there were oftentimes where the wording that they wanted to use in the script didn't fit the time frame. But it was, I guess when they scripted it, it was more crucial or for whatever reason, or they thought we would read it faster or whatever. And so we would have to change it on the fly. And often we changed it wrong. If the budget wasn't there, we didn't go back and fix it. Or right. if anyone remembered that it was wrong. It might have been later on in the day when we're all having, you know, you're done for the day, you're at home or having a beer with one of the other guys or girls, and you're like, hey, did that make sense? And then you'd be like, no, no, it didn't. Oh, well, you know, it's locked <laughs> in now. So, What is your favorite project or favorite projects you got to work on? Well, Curl was fun for me because it was <laughs> the first time I'd been given a lead character. No, sorry. It was my first time I'd been given a lead in a series. Sammo Hung movies. I always got given Sammo Hung, I think, because we're both heavy set. <laughs> Jackie Chan movies were always fun. Oh, and then we did this series called The Legend of Snow White. Hmm. And it starts off as like the Japanese retelling of Snow White. And it went on for ages. And it was, and like, it got so far off the beaten track. <laughs> and I don't remember the specifics of how it got weird and wonderful, but it got super weird and wonderful. And it was so much fun. Just <laughs> waiting to see what was going to be the next goofy twist for Snow White and the dwarves. <laughs> All right. This one might be a difficult one. What's your least favorite or most challenging project you worked on? The most challenging one. There was a TV commercial. I did a voiceover for, for LG for just the hong kong market so i was the only one from the company that went and then there were two producers uh, a casting director and then the technician in the and they said and they'd already heard what i could do and they were like we want you to sound like morpheus because the matrix had just come out right and i don't sound like morpheus so they kept no no a little more like this a little more like that a little more like this and it was like two lines oh my gosh I think we were there for like two and a half hours, three hours, saying the two lines over and over and over and over again until they finally, they were like, okay, yeah, that's good enough. But who knows which take was good enough. <laughs> it probably wasn't the last one. So that one was a little grueling. Other than that, some of the blue movies were a little like you're embarrassed for the people on the screen. and. I mean, as funny as they could be, some of them were a little not my cup of tea. So those ones sucked. But What other animation series were you in uh, other than Kuro? Well, The Legend of Snow White, and there was a soccer one. Get Backers? No, actually, that's not me. That's oh. Eric. Oh, because... That that's on the internet, that's not me. Oh. So that... Because I got in touch with Darren and we were talking and I was like going through stuff and I was like, was I in Cardcaptor Sakura? And I sent the clip to Darren and he's like, no, no, that's me. Like, All right. <laughs> um, yeah, Get Backers was Darren. He remembers that. Captain Subasa. Yeah, Subasa. Yeah, Captain yeah. Subasa. Mm -hmm. There's lots of like, you know, the scripters would get bored and put in dirty jokes and he would change <laughs> lines and put in dirty jokes and on the fly and yeah, it got recorded and kept and 
you can never hear it like in crowds, but whenever there's a crowd scene, a market, a street, or any of that stuff, if you all talk at the same volume, you can't make anything out. But if everyone is talking and one person whispers, that whisper goes to the front. Doesn't matter how far away from the microphone you are, the whisper is what everyone will hear. And like it was, <laughs> there was a guy when I first started. And anytime there was a market, he would be like, fresh garbage, get your fresh garbage here. <laughs> and that was his line. Like, that's every crowd. And we would, and so we would all start laughing and have to do it. But yeah, it was like free dead bodies and all this stuff. And just over top of everyone else, you couldn't make out anyone specifically saying anything. But yeah, we all said awful shit in, uh, <laughs> that you wouldn't find in market. So that was always fun. <laughs> Have you watched any of the projects you've been on uh, other than the recording process? So the first time I came back to North America after like on a holiday, I went into a video store and saw a copy of a movie that I dubbed and I asked them to put it on to hear the audio and it was the team dubbing it. And I was like, how much are you going to charge me for this? And they're like, oh, you know, rentals a couple bucks. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not bringing it back. Like I'm taking this. Uh, this is me on here. Just sell it to me. Like, whatever it costs, I don't care. I'm taking it. So I do own a couple copies of different things that I've done the voice work for, but I don't know, two or three items. Gen Y or Gen Z Cops, Police Story. I think there's another one, but I can't remember what it is. But generally movies. I I feel like over the the time that I'd been dubbing, we dubbed way more movies than animated series. Because at, at one point, um, basically at the release of DVD, so previously um, with like VHS and, and VCD, the track for audio is layered on top with the sound effects. And so when DVD came out, they wanted to redub everything so that they could have a Cantonese, French, English, German audio tracks, and they were all dubbed separately over top. So whatever you picked... You got what you got but so they had to redub everything so i got to go through like i got to work on a lot of classic cinema as they transferred updated it to dvd yeah because sometimes i mean darren was talking about he would catch something he was in on animax mm -hmm. and he'd look at it and be like oh man we got the timing wrong on that or you know com little comments like that oh yeah like it, there used to be a ton of stuff on youtube um, and I don't know why it's all gone now, copyright or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There used to be stuff on YouTube and when I would meet new people or chatting with friends or whatever and say that, you know, I used to dub in Hong Kong and they'd be like, oh, bullshit. So you go on YouTube and find something and then some of it was kind of cringy <laughs> because of, you know, poor quality and, um, sped up timelines or whatever. But yeah, there were, or it could be the movie itself was kind of cringy, but yeah. <laughs> this question, I don't know if it even applies to you because I usually ask, like, have you listened to American voice actor counterparts to your characters? And I don't think that applies to you. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I've listened to other things like North American dubbing, you know, Claire Danes and stuff and Mononoke and, you know, stuff like that. And some of it's great and some of it's awful. I mean, it's the same as, you know, I tend to think, though, that when they get Hollywood actors to dub films, because they're so used to using their 
body as a tool. They don't emote with their voice and they don't realize that like the mic deadens. Cause if you have a regular conversation and you record it, it sounds uh, closer to being monotone. So when you dub, you have to like, you look like an idiot in the booth. You look like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so over-exaggerated in how you're speaking because once it's flattened out by the microphone and it's played back, it's correct. But if you don't overdo it, then it's underdone in playback. And so you get these like Hollywood big names that dub films. And if they don't know that, then their performances tend to be flat. But the, the voice actors, they're great. Like I haven't, yeah, no complaints. Although I do tend to read the subtitles when I watch stuff, especially when it's live action stuff. I'd right. rather hear like the delivery from the actor than the the voiceover version. And I want to read the subtitles to hear what they're actually saying. Because quite often the story can be significantly different from a dub version versus a subtitled one, right? So you might as well watch the movie that you're supposed to be watching. Uh, favorite kind of work, uh, like animation, live action. It sounds like you really like live action. It's different. It's different. Uh, animated stuff is a lot, tends to be more tiring, depending on what it is. Like if it's a Studio Ghibli movie, it can be, because um, it's more emotional and stuff like that, it's, it's mellower. So it can be slow and that makes it tiring. Um, but animation can be crazy. So that makes it tiring. Uh, live action, you have like a set. Um, you do two hours. Well, you do a two hour movie and that takes as long as it takes. But once it's done, it's done. And an animated series can be a long time. Um, yeah. I don't know. They all have their merits. Like I, I liked all of it. And it was good because you got to see like so many different. It wasn't just Japanese stuff. Like in Chinese stuff, uh, we did Indonesian productions and Thai mm. and different Asian languages and stuff. So, and you know, even corporate videos have their merit. So, I don't yeah. know. It was all fun. There's nothing I really was like. Oh, this is garbage, and I hope I never have to do that again. <laughs> did you ever work on any Studio Ghibli films? No. Okay. I don't think so. I was going to say, we have a totally new topic to talk about if you did. No, I don't think so. And then um, so you said you moved back to Canada in 2003? Yep. Okay. Because, yeah, Darren was there until 2006 or so. Yeah. So he moved back. Yeah. So uh, Omni wanted him back and got him a ticket and flew him back over. Okay. So yeah, he came, he came back to yeah. hong kong and then then he came back to canada okay yeah and then he tried to get me a ticket too but darren is a far better dubber than i ever was so they only wanted one of us and like between my father my brother myself and probably his son when he gets older like we would always get on the telephone didn't matter who answered the phone whoever was on the other end always thought it was somebody else <laughs> so like on the phone we all sound the same so wow it doesn't make sense to hire two similar sounding people, right? And especially if you're footing the bill to bring them out there. Yeah. And Darren is far better, a far better dubber than I ever was. It's probably why people mistook you for Darren. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the roles online. Yeah. Then just a quick question. Um, what do you do or what did you do? I should say to warm up your voice. Nothing. <laughs> That's what Darren said. No. Coffee in the morning. 
<laughs> Fair. Well, and it wouldn't like you couldn't. I don't know. You you made sure you weren't hung over because if you were hung over, like you couldn't do anything, couldn't read fast enough, you couldn't hit your marks, you were always late, and um. Rick always had a big thing about like, so I almost didn't get hired because I'm, I'm a smoker and I was a smoker then <sighs> and being in the booth. So like on days that I was going in, I would not smoke because wow. you're in a, such a small room doing it. And if you were hung over and you have like booze on your breath, like it just puts everyone off. So yeah, definitely not be hung over coffee. I think was always good. Cause you know, warm on your throat but yeah you didn't know what you were getting into for the day so there was no (laughs) way to or there were no exercises or anything like that that we did okay this portion of the interview is the cyborg kurochan questions i am skipping ahead to our wrap-up questions reminder if you want to check out the cyborg kurochan stuff check it out on youtube so if you had the chance to voice any character or be in any project what would you choose i don't know um to work in a bunch of those like animated shows that I grew up with um, would be awesome um, to get to redo the Transformers Omnidub so people didn't pay it out so bad. <laughs> God. Uh, Akira. I would love to have done Akira. Oh, God, yeah. So. Yeah, when, when people hear Omni, they usually think of that god-awful Transformers dub. Whereas... Well, it's funny, too. Like, I kind of wanted to defend that. Um, I know everyone makes fun of it and whatever, but, like, I bet you... So that was before my time. Um, I bet you the um, the people that dubbed that had never... Had no idea what it was about. The scripting was probably awful because the translation they had was probably really bad. Because it did get refined. It got better, but there was lots of very literal stuff. And then you would, you know, the scripter would make a line and then later on realize that a line needed to get changed and not bother because they just had to get it done. And the budget for that could have been um, tiny. Yeah. So it was like, just get it done, get it out there. It's for kids anyway. Who gives a shit? And like, they send it out and remember the the awful stuff yeah (laughs) and that's kind of my case for these hong kong dubs like i understand when i when i critique hong kong dubs i go in understanding you didn't have time you didn't have money you had a very small group of actors working off a crappy script sometimes yeah and And i uh, remember like dubbing movies and it was a two-hour movie and we finished it in two and a half hours so like we flew through and that was it. You got it done. So Yeah, no. So I, I always go in with the understanding like this isn't gonna be America level, but it's honestly really impressive what people can do with yeah, with well, like, like given the restrictions. And the cartoons are always easier because you're not like the really good scripts we had, the scripter would even try and match mouth shapes in live action programming. And cartoons, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. You just have to, if the mouth is flapping, you're talking. When it stops flapping, you're not talking. With the um, with the live action movies, it's so much harder. And then um, the language base is the same. Like all, if we dubbed Latin based, you know, French to English or English to German or German to Spanish, it's all rooted in the same 
language. So it's all Latin based, right? So you're all going to say things more or less the same. Right. Um, you know, there'll be differences, but like the amount of time you're talking for, you're talking for, um, the similarities in words, you know, sometimes they add an O to it for Spanish, you know, Esperanto or anyway, whatever, but you're going with something totally different when you're using Asian based languages and all of them are different. So I don't know, it's like chalk and cheese and you're trying to make it the same thing and it's yeah. never going to match correctly. And uh, what are you currently doing? Um, currently, so after being in, coming back to North America and doing lots of bar work, serving bartender, um, I moved to Edmonton and I was, uh, did finishing carpentry and renovations. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved back to BC, I was like, working with wood is bullshit. Nothing is straight. It's all warped and waned, and so I decided to get in the steel trades, not realizing that nothing, no steel is straight. You have to straighten steel. Um, so I ended up getting a ticket as a metal fabricator, and currently I work for a company that sells turnkey sawmills. So if you have $100 and you want to make, you know, be producing a million board feet of lumber in a day, you call us and... Hmm. We sell you everything. Wow. And build like a massive structure. And so that's what I do now. And uh, what's on the horizon for you? Uh, more of the same. Hopefully uh, getting to travel hmm. um, with COVID and all that fun stuff. It's, uh, I don't know, my, my much better half of myself like to travel and we haven't been able to do that in the last two years. Yeah. So we're looking forward to doing that. And uh she has family in Europe. She's never been to Asia. So we're talking about doing some of that stuff. And yeah, because uh, Japan's opening up soon. Yeah, so she is an avid skier. We've talked about mm -hmm. going to Japan to go skiing. Yeah, and I don't know, it'd be nice to take her through Hong Kong and show her the old stomping ground. And <laughs> um, Yeah, other than that, okay. same as usual. Looking Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Anything you want to advertise, anything you're running, any social media? No, I don't do any of that stuff. Uh, pretty much I got on, in I had Facebook just to keep track of people and see how things are going. I only got Instagram. My wife made my account so she could tag me in things and I didn't know she'd done that. So <laughs> I was on Instagram like three years before I got Instagram. <laughs> and then I, I only took it over because she made an account for the dog so Aww. that I could see the dog mm -hmm. pictures of dog posts yeah i got instagram it's itty bitty pity prim so it's a pit bull our little pit bull oh yeah Pitbull. and uh yeah no okay i don't know people should be cool to each other and everything with a grain of salt and don't be a dickhead and yeah that's what I advertise <laughs> there you go so yeah, uh, again, thank you, and um, we'll stay in touch if I have any other questions. Sounds good. All right. Have All a right, good day. Well, you have a great day. Thank you to Sean for taking the time to do this interview, and thank you for listening. 
If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate this podcast five stars and subscribe via your favorite podcast app to know first when an episode is posted. If you want to hear more info about English dubs, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at yuiharuhara. The way I got in touch with my next guest is the wildest story yet. Here's my guest next time on English VoiceOver in Asia. My name is Colin. If you're an actor that has worked in Asia and would like to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to yuiharuhara at gmail.com. If you're a listener and would like to know when I have upcoming guests, please follow me on Twitter at yuiharuhara or stay tuned to my YouTube community tab. From there, you'll be able to ask guests questions that may be featured in their interview. Also, if you'd like to support me further, consider joining my Patreon, patreon.com slash yuiharuhara. Until next time, take care.